Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. Now the rest of the acts of Ammon, which he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah? And he was buried in his tomb in the garden of Uzzah. Then Josiah, his son, reigned in his place. So here you go again. He was denied royalty. He wasn't put in the royal tombs. Now his, his uh, execution here, it seems like when I'm kind of thinking it through, that Ammon's officials tried to prevent more judgment from coming upon the nation. So it seems like maybe they felt if they killed Ammon, then that might stop all the trouble. God already issued the warning. You can't stop it now. Well, let's take out the bad king. Maybe it'll make things even out. Didn't work. So this, to me, looks like a desperate measure by people that were fed up, tired of all the mess that was going on, even though they didn't understand their sin is what brought it. Now, I see a a parallel in our country today. People out there, everybody, even unbelievers, they are fed up. They're sick and tired of what's going on. And only the believers understand why it's going on. The unbelievers say, I'm tired of this, I'm tired of this. Just get that man out of office and we'll be fine. Just get our guy in office and we'll be fine. They don't realize this is judgment from the Lord on this land. No, get our guy in. Take our guy, that guy out. You're not going to fix that. Not without repentance, you're not. It looks like a desperate measure from people that were tired of it. And just like his dad, Amon was buried, stripped of royal honor. He died a shameful death. That was a shameful way to end. It was a bad ending for him. So for Ammon to die at age 24, his son had to be pretty young if he was dead at 24. And chapter 22, when we get into it, it says that Josiah was eight years old when he became king. Imagine making an eight-year-old king. That doesn't sound like that's going to turn out too well. To make an eight-year-old, they already want everything as it is. Now you're going to make him a king? But in fact, Josiah turned out to be a really good king. So we're going to see some good things come back again. After 50 years, it's going to be a good king. So in fact, in the next chapter, and I just want to get you ready for what's coming, Josiah, I'm not sure what age he's at, but he's going to find a book of God's law in the temple. He's going to actually read it. And after he reads it, it's going to distress him so severely at how badly his fathers had violated it. He's going to be so upset at the way his forefathers had acted. And friends, that is going to be a beautiful picture of repentance. When we mess up repeatedly and then we realize what we've done wrong, it should distress us. God, I am so sorry. And we're going to get to see that in King Josiah. So that's going to be awesome coming up. Good stuff when he's going to put some things back in order again. But one of the biggest problems I see here in chapter 21, the problem that bent me the most, 
is how Manasseh set up altars to false gods in the temple of God. In the temple. You're already setting them up the high places everywhere. He set the high places. He put Baal worship back on. He's already doing all this stuff. But of all places, you had to put that Asherah pole and those altars in the temple. You can play everywhere you want all over. But in the temple, for crying out loud, not there, not there. I want to show you that if you have faith in Jesus, I want to show you who you are. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. Look what happened to Manasseh. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Holy means you're supposed to be different. You're not supposed to do like everybody else. You're not supposed to act like them. The temple is for God. If you are a true, genuine believer in Jesus Christ, you are the temple. But if you trust in other things besides God, such as money, that's the big one today. Oh, if I just had enough money. People trust in their money. I've seen, God bless them, I've seen some people, they trust in relationships. Well, I don't have a girlfriend. And they can't function. Because they ain't got a girlfriend or ain't got a boyfriend. They trust in all these other things. If you trust in other things aside from God, then you have just put false altars up in the temple of God. How disgusted were you at Manasseh for doing that? Now, how disgusted am I at myself for the times I did it? Remember the temple is reserved for the worship of the Lord God of Israel only. Just Him. That's what holy is. Just Him. If we're disgusted with Manasseh for putting false altars in the temple, then why aren't more people disgusted with how Christians are doing the same thing today? Because they do. Supposed Christians. The Bible says that drunks, fornicators, adulterers, is a long list of sins. These people will not inherit the kingdom of God. And today people are doing those very things while claiming that they're saved by Jesus. I would say most of the, the Christian population out there that says I'm saved by Jesus are involved in fornication, which is sexual activity outside of marriage. They're all doing it. The Bible says, you're not getting in. But I'm saved with Jesus. I said the prayer. I said it at church. I had tears and everything. Really? Why are you putting false God altars in the temple then? It's for God only. That's not being holy. If you're saved, friends, you're holy. Right? Setting up false altars in God's temple demonstrates a hatred of God's authority. Oh, but I'm saved. But if you're doing this, you hate God. You know, when I go through these passages and and, and I talk about these things to people, you see the confusion hit them. God says, I'm going to bring judgment. No, it's going to be unlike anything you've ever heard before. It's going to tingle people's ears. And I I tell this to your, your little play around goofball Christians and they go, what? I showed a guy at a coffee shop one day. 
where God said, Esau, I hated. And he goes, I don't know. I'm going to have to pray on that. I said, it's right there. Well, no, no, he didn't like it. I said, no, 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 wait a minute. Don't run away. That's what everybody does. They taught you to run away. Come here and look at this. And I made him look at it. He had a Bible. I said, open your Bible. I made him open it. I said, what does it say? He says, Esau, I hated. He goes, but nah, I'm going to have to think about that. I said, you are literally telling me you're not believing what God's word says. And he didn't get it. I was astounded as much as he was. They demonstrate a hatred of God's word, a hatred of God's authority. And today, most supposed Christians, they will listen to every word that comes out of the media's mouth, but most will never listen to every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I don't understand that. They'll give that TV their life. and They won't ever crack the book. When I was teaching the college kids at the church that I used to belong to, I said, okay, y'all remember reading the book of John? They go, no. I said, what? How long have you been a Christian? My whole life. How old are you, 20? You ever read the book of John? No. You ever read any book? No. You ever read one chapter of any book? No. You've been a Christian for 20 years and you've never read one chapter of one book of the Bible ever? I took my lesson, I threw it on the ground, I said, open up John 1, and that was the first time I learned to preach verse by verse. I dragged them through the whole thing. I could not believe what I was hearing. You have bet your eternal destiny on a king you don't even know. How can you know him? Supposed Christians have put false God altars in the temple. And do you not think that this provokes the wrath of God? If I claim to belong to my wife, Anna, and her alone, but if I go and I mess around with every other woman in town except with her, do you think she's going to like that? That's going to provoke her wrath. And rightfully so. If I act like that, it's going to make her mad and it's going to make me into a big, fat faker. Most of Christianity today is a big, fat fake. And if you're doing what they do, you're a fake too. You've got to know the Word of God. That's why we read it. I want you to know God's Word. Don't just do what they do. You do what they do, you're just as lost as them. So if you're into what God's Word says is willful sin, if you're actually committing what God's Word says is willful sin, i got some words for you. You better stop. That's the word the prophets had to say. Guys, we need to cut this out. I brought my shoes today. They're still toe. Whoever wants to wear them, put them on. And they will always be here at this pulpit. And this is not going to be the first. Well, this is the first time you see it, but it won't be the last. I know this is heavy. I know I look up here. I know I'm trying to get you to feel the story of what's wrong with Judah and how God felt about them. I'm not going to be that pastor that smacks the pulpit until I break it. I've seen that happen. I used to be confused about the pastor we once had. He would get so mad when he preached, and then at the end of the sermon, he'd be at the back door waiting and smiling to shake my hand. And it scared me. <laughs> Try not to be that guy. But if you're into willful sin, all I, better, all I can tell you is you better stop. Cut and dry. Let's just make it easy. Just stop. And just like it was for the prophets to warn the people back then, the same goes for today. 
that when I have to, when I'm required to warn people that God's judgment is coming, that's when people absolutely hate me. I have been so loved by this church. I'm looking at y'all and I'm like, this is what I need. I need y'all in this church looking at me the way you're looking at me because that's what keeps me going. You, right now. Because I am hated like you don't even know out there. I get emails all the time. I'll never tell you about them. Gripes don't go down, they go up. <laughs> okay? It's not easy. This is where people hate God's, God's prophets. They're talking about what judgment's coming. I put my sermons over the radio. You'd be astounded at the threats I get from people telling me how much they hate what I'm saying. Friends, I'm required to tell you that according to the Word of God, you cannot be in willful sin. What God's Word says is willful sin. Now, we saw today in the chapter that Manasseh killed his own children, and he made it national policy. And because it's in the book, I'm going to cash in like you don't even know. It was national policy to kill children. I'm going to tell you that you cannot support abortion as a right and be a genuine believer at the same time. You cannot do it. I don't care what your politics say. I don't care what your, your leanings are. It does not work. Even if our government or your party condones it. Jesus himself said in Matthew 19, do not hinder the children. Not to mention that God's law says do not kill. And to think that I'm having to say this in a culture right now where 50% of supposed Christians think that it is okay to kill their own children simply because it is national policy. Here we are. I've had people quit this church over statements like this. God be with you. But it doesn't change the fact that I'm required to say these things. Now, friends, I want to tell you, if you've ever been involved in this before in abortion, I want you to know there is forgiveness, okay? Don't get all too scared in here. There is forgiveness. There is forgiveness. There is forgiveness. I feel like I should say it four more times to make it a complete seven. There's forgiveness, all right? It's okay. But you cannot support it and be a Christian at the same time because it provokes God's uh, wrath. The Lord will not allow this in His temple. I'm putting you back to the context of what Manasseh did, and I'm bringing it home now for us. It provokes the wrath of God. I'm required to tell you about it, whether it makes you mad at me or not. Do not politicize me. That's what people do. Ray, you're just a conservative. You're a Republican, Bush lover, Trumper, whatever. Hey, I'm not going to let you know which way I lean. Well, I think I know which way you lean. I lean towards the Bible. That's all I'm going to give you. It's in the book. I'm instructed to warn of the same message that God's prophets had to proclaim, that God's wrath is coming. You think it's bad out there now. What do you see what's ahead? It's coming. God gave the people of Judah a long time. We saw it. Over 50 years, He gave them a long time to get right with this warning. That's the longest reigning king, Manasseh, the longest reigning king in Judah's history. But that just shows us how patient God was, is with His people. Friends, God has been very patient with our nation today. Very patient. And He's giving all of us time to set aside our own little biased opinions on how we think everything should be. Well, I don't agree with that 
theology, Ray, because here's how I see it. I don't care how you see it. If it rivals what the Word of God says, I'm going to go with what the Word of God says. And if we disagree, we disagree. But come on, it's in the book. Friends, something I want you to to know is that God is being very patient. He's waiting for us to get right with Him. And all of us are sinners. And I'll tell you now, I am the biggest sinner in this room. I'm the biggest sinner in here. I know what I've done. But there's forgiveness. Remember I told you to hold on to the thought about that big paradox. How could God keep the promise to protect the people that were sinning against Him? How could He keep that promise when they're acting up the way they were? He was going to wipe them off like a dish. But at the same time, He had to keep His promise to keep Jerusalem in place to make His name known to the world by putting a descendant of David there on that throne. How does He do both at the same time? It seems like you can't have it both ways. You're either going to judge us and we're gone, or you're going to keep a promise. So how do you execute justice and yet keep the people you're trying to do something with? That's the paradox. (laughs) This chapter presents an illustration of a similar paradox that involves you and me right now. How can God keep the promise to save his people, and I'm talking about myself, when people like me have sinned? and therefore have to be wiped out because of it. You and I sinned. God's justice should wipe us out. How does He keep us? If we all sinned, then just like Manasseh, we've all demonstrated a complete disregard for God's authority. The law says you sin, you die. So we've all sinned, so we all die, right? There's the problem. So how can God take out His fiery wrath against our sin without destroying us in the process? Here's how. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For God made him, Jesus who knew no sin, to be sin for us. He becomes our sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. (laughs) You saw me clouding up and raining so hard. Well, now I just brought the sun out. A ray of sunlight. God took his wrath out on Jesus so that he does not have to take it out on you. Now, you remember the conditional and the unconditional promises. What's the word that makes it conditional? If. That makes it conditional. I want you to look at this. Romans 10.9, that if. See, it means you might not. It's dependent on you. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I see both conditional and unconditional in this one verse. If you do this, then you'll have this happen. If depends on you to respond to the gospel message that I've been required to tell you. Some people will hear the call to repent of their sins and believe in Jesus. Some people will hear it only. But then they would rather hate me for having to tell it to them than simply just obeying it. But if you do believe in Jesus, then it says you will be, will be, will be. Church, say that with me. Will be, will be. What does that mean to you? It means it's going to happen. If you come to belief, 
you're activated into an unconditional covenant that is not bound by you because you're not the one that died for it. Jesus did. You're not the one that earned it. Jesus did. You're the, not the one that achieved it. You did not accomplish it. Jesus did. Now you're bound. Shall be means you will be, and that's a promise. You will be saved. But to get under that promise, you have got to remove the false altars that you've been worshiping. Whatever it is, money, drugs, whatever, they cannot be in his temple. If you're saved in Jesus and you've got these old altars in the temple, you need to get them out. They should not be there. If you're now the temple, that temple is for the Lord God and the Lord God alone. Friends, what would have taken you and me an eternity to pay for in hell, Jesus paid for all in one day on the cross so that we can be saved. And that's the good news of the gospel message right there. And if you're in salvation in Jesus, if you have that, then you can enter God's presence as royalty. But don't forget what happened to Manasseh. He rejected God right down to the bitter end, and so he was denied royalty. He was shamed. He was not allowed to be buried in royal tombs like other kings were. The picture here is that those who persist in their sin to the very end will be denied royalty and they will be buried in shame. So you have a choice. Being buried in the shame of hell or welcomed into the royal family of God. It's up to you. King Manasseh died a shameful death without honor. King Jesus also died a shameful death without honor for us. And God issued a warning that he would wipe Jerusalem clean. He would wipe, wipe Jerusalem's sin like a dish. Friends, I ask you, let Jesus wipe you clean. Amen. Isaiah 43 and 25. I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. And I will not remember your sins. I know you got sins swirling around in your head that you've committed old altars you used to have and they're beating you up. I'm telling you, friends, if you're saved by Jesus, forget those sins because God did too. Raise some of the sins you brought up today. I've done them before. You saved by Jesus, they're gone. He forgets them, you forget them. March on, be the temple. Father, thank you for your word today. We thank you for what you've shown us in your word. Lord, sometimes I feel this walk isn't easy. Sometimes that pastor says things that violates my political leanings or the way I used to always think things, that things were. But Lord, I ask you for your people that they, they start listening to your word more now. What you have said not what we've always been told. Help us learn how to walk better with you, not according to our culture, but according to what you want for us to do, Lord God. Lord, I thank you that the people in here today have discovered ways to take altars out they didn't know they had. And forgive us, Lord God, for keeping them. Lord, I ask you to forgive me first. Lord, if it says that leadership affects those under, I, as pastor, Lord, I'm going to say first, forgive me for where I have wronged you. Show me altars in the, in the temple that I have set up that I'm sorry for setting up. Lord, help me get them out. Thank 
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.